And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The following program is made possible with the assistance of a grant from SNH Greenstamps. Buff Bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. A perfectly delicious dish. Oh. Uh-huh. So we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our pan hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot into which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it should cook very, very slowly just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling. You don't have to look at it anymore. Then all set the soft grain out. And then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. You want the flavor of the onions and the beef to all blend themselves with the stew. That's going a little too hard, so I'll put it inside. There. About two or three minutes, if you have it in the icebox, you heat it up very slowly and baste the meat with the sauce. And then, and then you cover it and, and simmer it very slowly for about two or three minutes until everything is tender and hot through. Well, now this is ready to serve. Right now. Hi, this is April Chamberlain, and you're listening to Eat It and Beat It on the Two True Freaks Network. Do you know how many licks it takes to get to the center of my Tootsie Roll Pop? Hello, and welcome to Eat It, a podcast about food. I am one of your hosts, Chris Sant, and we are, at, and I am joined by Master Baker, Yeasty Joe Baguette. I really had to rise to this occasion today. And Get it rise! I made a funny. It's a joke. Rise, bread. Oh, we yeah. didn't. We didn't actually talk about what our topic was. I, I, I'm hoping they figured it out by by our names, but <laughs> we have a very, very um, witty and quick audience and they, our they topic, never can yeah. get it from the title of the podcast that's for yeah. sure this podcast comes in a plain brown wrapper every month oh it definitely does like the red fox video cassette in a plain mm-hmm. brown bag do you remember that i do and, I, that, I, and this, I this this part of the podcast is kind of like the articles in playboy yeah yeah <laughs> currently here for the articles yeah we're, we're, we're here to hear about bread. We're all into yeah. the COVID virus, and we want to learn yeah. about bread. Yeah, greetings from the green zone, man. 
this is the first time in in four months that I've been able to say greetings from the green zone yeah. here in in New York. So uh, for now, for now, yeah, we don't know next week. If you're in Florida, stay the fuck out. Um, but yeah, uh, the topic that I'm surprised that we hadn't gotten to uh, sooner, and and that's and that's bread. Man, oh, we've I, we've touched upon bread because we've done sandwiches we, and and stuff like that, but yeah, yeah, we have, but we've never we've ne- bread has never been center circle on uh, on our show, and during this pandemic, people have been baking, going back to baking in droves, so much so that that for a while we couldn't find any yeast. Yeast was the most precious mm-hmm. thing around i i we had a friend that had a friend that had a friend with a restaurant supply store and they'd send me a little few packs of yeast and i would hoard it and hoard it and hoard it finally now it's available i have a friend of mine in arizona she couldn't get like flour uh yeast so she can get flour so i sent her yeast and uh uh, she's my friend shelly and we're gonna have a skype video baking day where we're going to bake some bread now, now couldn't you just kept a pinching pieces of bread off and yeah like a sourdough starter yeah yeah i, I looked into doing that but it's a pain in the ass yeah and yeah. you gotta feed it every day i can barely feed my kid every day exactly you know? and my fish and to think that i gotta feed this sourdough guinea pigs. starter. yeah oh. guinea pigs and and fish and i got enough shit to feed myself and now i gotta oh feed my the God. starter. A year from now, we'll be cooking the guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah, we haven't yeah, done yeah, I mean, it. We, we, we did the bush meat. Yeah, the, we'll get the Peruvians in here, and we'll uh, and we'll and we'll do guinea pig meat because it's supposed to taste just like rabbit. But who knows? They're members of the same. Guinea pigs are basically just rabbits without long ears. Yeah. Uh, but but bread, man, I Falsen I have pepper. been a fan. I I I. And since since the the pandemic, I have been doing like baking bread every every. Uh, I I bake bread like once a week. Now, the kid loves it. And now, do you have the same type of fascination or love for bread? I mean, or is it has it always been like white think gushy bread sandwich was, bread? Bread was the first food that I like used to go crazy for. Anything bready, starchy. When I was a kid, I I loved. And, uh, but bread, like any kind, any kind of bread. And when I grew up, that was also during a like sort of post hippie time where a lot of people were making their own bread. So I ate a lot of homemade bread growing up and it's, and homemade bread is almost, unless you screw it up, (laughs) is, is delicious, you know, fresh, fresh, fresh bread. Yeah. Is, is just you know, heads and shoulders over, over anything else. And I, I, it's, you know, I mean, bread is like one of the blander foods, you know, just in general, but textures of it, the different textures of it. Like I was never a kid who was like, cut the crust off. The crusts were the best part. Crusts had the most flavor in them. And text, yeah, my, my it, yeah. kid will only eat the crust on my homemade bread. He doesn't like the crust on the sandwich bread, but bread Baking has fallen in and out of favor over the past, you know, 
few decades. Yeah, uh, the, the, the last big trend was like the bread making machine. Yep. How many of those and do you see the, at flea markets right that's now? That's what I'm saying. That's, now the new trend is seeing them at, at garage sales. Yeah. But that that's why I, I have never bought a bread maker because I'm like, when you see no. that that quick a turnaround to a to a um, uh, you know, to their someone's garage sale, you know, for some reason, it's not yeah. tenable. You know, no. the it's bread just maker. like those those little chicken the the little chicken rotisserie things that you that, saw. God, I Ron- was just gonna say that the Saturday to forget it, the Ronco. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, within a year, they were in garage sales because it's like, yeah, I'll bet you it makes a delicious chicken, but who wants to fucking tie their chicken up every no, time? And, you know? and a bread maker, my, someone gave my wife a bread maker maybe three, four years ago. I think she's used it twice, and there's no fucking love. You put everything in there, and it does it itself. The bread comes out with a big hole in the middle because of the story. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Oh, it's kind of that. I mean, that's the next thing. It takes up a lot of space. And making bread is, it's the process. It is the adding this, adding, you know, bread is basically salt. Uh, it's flour, water, yeast, and salt. That's it. You know, unless you're going to get into sourdough starters, but that that's, and just, it's alchemy. It is alchemy. Mm-hmm. And, and since I've been doing it myself, it's, it's just, makes such a difference i i had an old boss who used to call it she, she was just like yeah i know you're a good cook but baking is chemistry this is chemistry because i was oh. i was measuring i was measuring salt in my in my hand you know no. just measuring baking teaspoons of salt in my hand and she's just like you can't do that and i'm like ah sorry i just did and she's just like well we'll see how it turned out and it turned out okay because i gotta say i'm pretty good <laughs> i i am not a good but, baker i can cook i'm not a good baker but i'm becoming a good bread maker um but it is it's a science you can't you can't fuck unless you you do it every day for your whole life like my grandmother and my great aunt they could make breads and they never had to measure anything but but when you bake you have to be precise you i mean there are friends of mine that have a a scale and if it says 30 grams of this and that i mean that it comes out perfect for a reason i Mm -hmm. it's uh but growing up until my grandmother moved in with us from the old country the only bread that i had was was um was wonder bread like white bread and your typical hamburger bread and every once in a while you'd have to eat a hamburger on a fucking piece of wonder bread and it was just sacrilege but that's all i knew but then this wonderful older lady came in and started making bread herself and man just the smell of bread and Mm -hmm. and and you could come in from school and you'd have a nice warm piece with some butter on it 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 was, you know, perfect. And 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 bread is something that has evolved with mankind. It, it has they have found pieces of bread in Pompeii. They found bread in the pyramids. You know, every culture has some kind of bread, whether it be leavened or unleavened. It's always mm-hmm. been with us always um, kind of like 
like horses and dogs, it's always been around. And if you were uh, people in the Middle Ages, uh, the type of bread that you ate was a direct relation of how much money you had. If you were rich and royalty, you got to have the you know the upper crust, as they say, because your bread was was white and it was it was finely finely you know milled and and as you started to get poorer and poorer you would have to get shittier bread mixed with sawdust or whatever they did and shittier grains you know grains that now we love like rye but that was the garbage bread of the middle ages and and they would bake their breads and it would be so hard that you didn't really eat it there were trenchers you would put your food on top of this piece of bread and that was your plate you weren't expected to eat the trencher if you were poor. It was just how you it soaked up the juices and you would throw it to the dogs and sometimes they wouldn't even eat it. But you know, sailing voyages, you had hardtack. It's always been there. Always has been part of a uh, part of mankind, and it, it's having a renaissance now. I, I think that you're getting more and more artisanal bakeries. I mean, I don't know about up there. Oh, or we're loaded your with neck them. Of the woods. Loaded with them. There's some yeah. really good ones. There's some really good ones up here, actually. Surprise. There's one that you got to drive out into. It's 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 become famous, but you got to drive out in the woods to it. And now they're starting to ship their stuff out to little little like boutique places. But I, I you've oh, you actually I think you had some salty bread when uh, you came up here. But they're the people that make that that salty bread. It's Sort of Ooh, like a long, remember. long Italian. It's like a long, really dense, flat Italian loaf, but it's covered with sea salt. It, oh, and, that would be wonderful. It's made with tons of um, olive oil in it. To, I mean, to the point of where you can squeeze it and drip olive oil out of it, and it's super salty. And I can eat like half of a salty bread in one sitting. Oh, like, oh, well, that. That Italian place where we went to picked up our pig for the, for the, um, for the uh, barbecues that we had yes. here every year, they made a prosciutto bread over there that was just delicious, man. I haven't been there in a while since uh, since the apocalypse, but I should probably go back there and see if they're still making that bread. But once I can see to where when you start making bread or where you start eating real bread that you can't you can't go back it, it's very hard to go back at least it was for it it was for me uh you know my travels would take me to places where i've had the bread's right. always good in europe you know they the kids all want like sandwich bread now like we have because i don't know it's just it's popular but but the adults won't buy it you know you would go in the morning and you buy your bread for the day and this is done every day, and there's just like so many different kinds of breads when you go to Europe. It is, it is. We are not a bread culture in in this in this country because in Europe. Well, we are, but it's just we, like we, mass we are, Yeah, see, our forefathers came here, and bread was considered, you know, food of the poor. And here we were in this land of plenty. We we didn't want to to uh, you know have bread do we our bread it, is a meat delivery system basically yeah it is very good point 
Um, and it's easy to become obsessed with bread once you've had good bread and you realize that there are so many different kinds. I read a book a few years ago, and I would recommend it to anyone that might be interested in bread. Not necessarily breaking it, but but just a good story. It's called 52 Loaves, and it's written by a guy. Uh, uh, his name is William Alexander, and he also wrote a book called like The $62 Tomato, which I never read but he becomes obsessed with the topic, and, and he runs with it. And it's one man's uh, relentless pursuit of truth, meaning, and the perfect crust. This guy went crazy. He had to have the perfect bread. He went all over the world, tried bread from everywhere, but he could not. Either, either it wasn't milled properly or it wasn't – He just nothing satisfied him. So he got home, and in his backyard – in his front yard, he decided to plant wheat. So while all of his neighbors had grass, he planted wheat. And the wheat is growing, and his neighbors thought he was crazy. But he, when the wheat was ready, he had to take it and found a place that, that was still like uh, stone ground the wheat and did everything. And you know he claims to have the perfect loaf. Uh, it, it's a good book. Uh, his recipe is really complex i'm not gonna i'm not gonna even up to i'm not gonna it it sounds as much about like making good bread as it is about this guy's obsession ocd mind can you imagine you know your neighbor you you have well it's also a quest for such a subjective thing you know it's like you're never gonna find the objectively perfect you won't. Pizza, you won't. You know, loaf of bread because everybody's got their different idea of what. And like, I don't know if I would be like, could ever declare like, I could be like, this is the perfect, this is the best rye bread I've ever had or whatever. But I, I, I don't know if I would ever feel confident like declaring it the best. I don't know. I guess if I tasted it and it was the Who best knows? bread I ever had, I, I, would, mean, I would be like. It's, it's funny the things that you remember. I remember. You know, I was growing up, you know, in the 70s and 80s, I guess the, the homemaking bread phase was just about the hippie phase was about phasing out in the 70s. You know, by the 80s, bread was was pretty much a wasteland. You know, you had you had white bread and, and maybe if you found the Italian an Italian bakery, you could get some Molina bread or whatever. But I remember watching 60 Minutes with my dad one time and. And Andy Rooney said something that stuck with me to this day. He said that how could a country that has such beautiful wheat fields produce such lousy bread? And and even then, I was like, you know what? I, I've had good bread even though I was a kid. And, and bread is not that great here. I mean, Wonder Bread is, for what it is, it's great. I'm not going to give up my white bread on a sandwich. I love it. But but. It was true. I mean, we have beautiful fields of wheat, and for so many years, we just could not. It, the, 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 it wasn't there. This isn't Europe. You know, we didn't have the desire for for bread. But we didn't have the tradition of it. We, yeah, we did. I mean, we had people coming in who it was their tradition, and that, that did settle into here. I mean, the, like you said, you'd have people who would be, you know— Little little old ladies from the old country making bread, yeah, well, and stuff, or have a, or they'd have a bakery or, or or whatever. I mean, there's always been bakeries and stuff, but America's always been about the mass production. It's about, it isn't about growing the best wheat. It's about growing, 
the most wheat, you know, yeah. that's of a of enough of a quality to get it out there, you know? Maybe well, with what, a, you know, with a little sawdust in there to, <laughs> to yeah, help well, fill it my, out, you know. When my grandfather first came and and then Americans country. go, holy shit, this is cheap. I love it. <laughs> and that's yeah, that. it's like you know, it, it you know, it probably happened in in the twenties. You know, white bread started to become a symbol of an industrialization. Right. And when we learned modern society, just like food. you said, yeah, you know, Wonder Bread came into being, and you know, they bought these factories uh, to for bread making and slicing bread. And all of a sudden, this was the future. You know, bread was engineered and designed, and it, it oh, yeah. streamlined. You got to get people. You got to. You got to get people to get their bread easier, so that they can spend more time in the factory yeah, <laughs> instead of exactly. making goddamn and, bread. And I mean, well, back they, in the old days, you had to just make everything from. Back in the old days, you had to make everything from scratch. And, yeah. And and. It's romantic and the stuff was delicious and of high 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 quality depending higher relatively high quality depending on who was cooking it. But yeah, you know, when when you do that for a lifetime and then all of a sudden you you it's affordable to just plop it down that that gives you know, people yeah, are like if, if you get up in the morning baking the goddamn bread. Yeah. yeah You're wonderful. He wouldn't he first came here he he had to have bread with every meal and and the closest thing that he could find i mean white bread was not acceptable to a to a european it wasn't the closest thing he could find was like italian sourdough bread Mm -hmm. san francisco sourdough like real hardcore san francisco sourdough which is Mm -hmm. colombo we used to be we used to be a brand that we used to buy and that was the closest thing we you we still find. we still get Colombo buns here. There's, yeah, it's they, still they a company. stopped making. Yeah, and and I have went around trying to find Colombo uh, bread, and I even called and said, you know, what happened to go? Like, yeah, we don't make we don't make the um, the French bread anymore. I said, really? He goes, yeah, we just you know not enough people were buying it. Now we just focus on making sliced bread, Colombo like Italian loaves. And and buns, so they and stopped buns. making. But their, their buns are not what they used to be. To, no, no, no. You you could you could get extra sour sourdough bread, and it's an acquired taste. Uh, my my friends from other I parts of the country. I would acquire it real quick. Oh, you Sounds either delicious. love it or you hate it. Like my Does wife's I have a people, sort of milky, that sort of like. No, uh, it's it has a real dark crust. But by the time you got it at the store, that crust wasn't cracker like. It was uh-huh. it was kind of spongy, you know, but uh-huh. it had an intense. It was dark roll, and it had an intense sour, sour taste. It, it's, it's traditional San Francisco sourdough bread, but my wife's people can't stand it. They're from Michigan, where they know nothing about bread, and um, and they just go, "Oh, can't have that. I don't even taste that. It tastes terrible." You know, all right, whatever. You don't you don't know. Just stick to your big lakes. You don't know anything about fucking bread. But yeah, it's it it was great. And uh, and we don't they don't make it anymore. But we're lucky enough now that that we are in a bread renaissance. Uh, that we are able more and more artisanal bakeries are opening up. At least here in New York, 
Uh, yeah, oh, I've, got, I've got two within walking distance of See, that's my house awesome. right now. I'm, I'm still in a in a bread wasteland in my neighborhood. I have to I have to go to a few blocks away and drive to to the Italian bakery. But even that bread, you know, it's semolina bread, which is which is soft. It's not particularly crusty. Um, it, it's not my favorite, but. It's it's good. It's the best you're going to get. And there are a few bakeries that still deliver some Portuguese bakeries that deliver some bread to the local grocery store if I that I would buy uh, once in a while. But I always try to make a loaf of bread to last for the week because toast to me, toast is Mm. is the perfect food. You buy some decent butter and that's my breakfast. I if you got good butter. Oh, then yeah, like man, there's there's three perfect toast options in my in my mind with a fourth just semi perfect option and the first option is obviously just toast with good butter on it uh you know fresh bread toast with good butter on it so you know to the point where like where you can cut it yourself so you have a good like inch and a half at yeah, least yeah a good slab yep thick. So that way you get the outside gets all crusty and then you still it's still nice and fleshy on the inside. And then just butter is is your basic butter and peanut butter is phenomenal. And um, um, what was oh butter and cinnamon sugar Ooh. is is transcendent. Okay. And then the, my runner up would be butter and like. A good, like homemade preserved strawberry jam. You mentioned that. I got it. Now that I can't uh, see my parents, we've been sending care packages back and forth with the strangest things. I got a box the other day filled with uh, Meyer lemons from California and, and some avocados that they bought that were like really green. But by the time they got here, they were perfect. And homemade apricot preserves because i guess my old man found some field somewhere a deserted in the middle of the field there was this tree and he saw a flash of orange and he looked and he goes these look like apricots and he said they were all falling all over the place so he bought buckets and buckets of the home and and they made apricot preserves and that on a slice of homemade toast holy shit it's 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 heaven and bread is one of those things that that can have many different lives i mean i recommend any of you out there that that have bread that you're not going to eat or the ends or for whatever reason make your own bread crumbs <coughs> put it in put it in the oven you know blend it up so it's crummy then throw it on a piece of aluminum foil in the oven crisp them up put it in the bag in the freezer and next time you make a cutlet Use those breadcrumbs. It, it makes all the difference in the world from the mm-hmm. the, the stuff you buy uh, already in the can. Yeah, it's I mean, uh, no. it gets somewhere in it's it's not quite like panko, but it's more like yeah. panko. Yeah, panko is great. I'm not even sure what panko is. I mean, I know I it's think bread, it's but it's rice. I don't know. It's it's a Japanese breadcrumbs is what they call it, but actually, yeah, it might be uh, it might be regular flour, but yeah, it's. It's got that more starchy, like textured vegetable protein type of thing to oh, it. Oh yeah, so, I mean, uh, and and for frying, deep frying, 
uh, anything, panko breadcrumbs are yeah are probably better than you know regular breadcrumbs or whatever. But but I do love panko, but I don't throw out any bread. I keep it all in the if it if it's starting to get kind of stale. I mean, it was bread was was nothing. It wasn't wasted. It was used as a thickener for soups. It was uh, mixed in with stews. Uh, certain recipes that that I have, uh, it's basically just a bread dish where you would fry um, onions and olive oil, mm-hmm. and then throw bread in there, and then a little gravies, and then some shrimp or whatever, and, and and then you beat an egg in there with it, and it was absolutely delicious. I mean. It wasn't wasted. I mean, bread goes back to the Bible. It's the staff of life, and and there are it, bread gets the most mention of any food in the Bible. There are tons and tons of passages that uh, that talk about bread. Most of it unleavened, uh, but you can you can go to any uh, some of the of the uh, Leviticus, which is. It has a lot of food in it. You can you can read any of that stuff. I imagine in those days they were a little more focused on food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, I think I, I think so. Deal. Yeah, yeah, you, you didn't have time. You know, if, Acquire, if you were acquiring it was a, if you were running from the pharaohs, you didn't have time to let to, to let your bread rise. You just well, threw you could it just starve rock. in those days. You know, yeah. you could just starve out. Like, yeah, <laughs> but. Yeah, that's why they found it in the pyramids. And I had mentioned that they had found carbonized bread in Pompeii, and they could they could see how they made their bread there in their bread shops. And it it's just one of the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful foods that there is. Um, and I was very excited to see what our good friend. Yeah, I'd be able to stretch this this one, you know, he's gonna have. Oh my plenty God! Plenty to it's, say about let this. Just, let me just crawl into our herder's corner uh, of the now famous. Hopefully, that we've made him famous. Probably not. He's probably dead for thirty years. Famous but, on our show. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Bull cook and authentic historic recipes and practices by George Leonard Herder of Wasaka, Minnesota. And surprisingly enough, he is he hits a lot of proper nails on the proverbial proper heads when he's talking about bread. Uh, if I may, he says uh, how to make French, Italian, or Vienna bread. Many people prefer a bread like French, Italian, or Vienna bread that has a hard, nutty crust and a soft center. Housewives nearly all over Europe bake this bread type of hard bread nutty tasting crust many girls and women in north america would like to make this type of bread at home it is absolutely impossible to do so because we cannot buy high gluten european style flour at the grocery stores in north america and at the time he wrote this book that was probably very much true um not anymore yeah you've had the pizza dough that we make in the alley we buy italian double zero flour which is a an incredible flour, high gluten like, flour. It's, it is so fine. It is oh like yeah, it looks like talcum powder. You know. Yes. And to go on without this flour, you cannot even come close to making French, Italian, or Vienna hard crust bread. Flour makers in North America do not want housewives to bake bread. 
They want all bread making to be done by bakers, hence this flour is unavailable. Magazine food editors and cookbook authors do not know how to make hard-crusted breads and go on printing stupid recipes calling for ordinary grocery flour, and none of these recipes even come close to working. There is not a cookbook in North America that has a French bread recipe, or there is no, there's no use trying to make hard-crusted bread at all. Now, we have a high-gluten French, uh, French flour for our own use, and we put some up in five-pound sacks for our friends. If you want some, you can order a sack from Herders in Wisaka, Minnesota, and it's very inexpensive. And, of course, yeah, good for him. He throws in a little, a little uh, loop for uh, his bread recipe, and then he gives you a recipe for for his bread. Now you need to take three cups of high gluten flour, one fourth teaspoon of instant yeast, one and a half teaspoons of table salt, and three fourths cups of uh, plus two tablespoons of water. Now there you go. That's very very. That's bread right there. That's then, basically it. Yeah. He throws in one fourth cup plus two tablespoons of a mild flavored lager beer, and then one teaspoon of white vinegar. Now you mix all of this together, and you make a shaggy ball, which I always liked the term shaggy dough, shaggy ball. Anyway, you uh, make this, and you have to let it sit anywhere from eight to 18 hours and and I did I let it sit for exactly 18 hours and that's where I that's where I decided to to try a little something different now uh, if you have been over the past maybe eight years or so people have been doing this no need bread that's cooked in a La Crusette pot in the oven uh, comes out wonderful it's not done on a stone. You just heat up this enamel pot or a cast iron pot in the oven, 500 degrees for half an hour. Then you get your dough and you, you give it a couple of kneads just to kind of get it into the right shape. Dust a piece of parchment paper with some flour. Throw your dough on the parchment paper, drop it in the pot, put the lid on the pot, and let it cook for 30 minutes with the lid on. Take the lid off. Let it cook for about 20 more minutes, and it makes a beautiful bread. And I'm telling you, when you did it with Herder's recipe, man, it made more than a beautiful loaf of bread. It was wonderful. I saw the pictures of it, and it's, they looked delicious. It, yeah, they looked made, almost like pastries. Yeah, well, I actually bought a uh, banneton, which um, it is a it's a wooden bowl made from. I guess you would say wooden twigs but just like a like a branch that's that's slowly wrapped into the shape of a bowl mm -hmm. <coughs> excuse me and you, what you do is you have to wet this and and mix and dust it with flour and you let the bread rise in this banneton and then when you throw it on the in the oven it gets that nice little concentric ring yeah, of flour yeah, around a it a ridge yeah yeah it looks very it looks very very pretty uh when it's done and he also goes on to say 
that um, uh, without the flour, you know, y you can't do it. You can't bake properly. And one of the other reasons that women sometimes cannot bake is because they are menstruating. It is impossible to bake if he you couldn't are, get through it, could he? You no, know, <laughs> it is impossible to bake if you are menstruating. It just will not work. Uh, he doesn't really go into why it doesn't work. So I did a little research, and there is actually some stuff out there about it, uh, if it's true or is not. Is there some pheromone that women release or something that, that kills your yeast or something? Uh, vaginal <laughs> antimony. Uh, congenic vapors that could maybe the the yeast uh, it's it's it, it's bullshit you know since bacteria and yeast keep a natural balance in the vagina they do uh they also keep can they they can also keep one in bread so it's basically just bullshit this is i i the defunct uh quite yeah. a few sites on the internet we, we've about, bumped into a couple times where yeah <laughs> George Leonard Herter has had an attitude against the female menstrual cycle. Yeah, he's not he's not happy with the menstrual cycle. So no, if, not at all. Women should never bake bread when they are on their on their menstrual cycle because it's just not gonna work, you know. And so don't even try it. Don't even try it. And got it. And it reminds course, me of this Rastafarian guy who was a real douchebag. <laughs> I remember in the like early '90s, and he used to hang out on the street. And his name was Freedom, and he was bullshit. he was just all over the ladies. But I remember this circle of people, and Freedom pulls out a big spliff and lights it up. And this girl grabs it and goes like, "Oh, this is great! I'm on my period. This is going to be awesome. I could use some pot." And he's just like snatches it away no Ugh. woman I, uh, rasta would cannot smoke with a woman on her period it's just like fuck you you jerk <laughs> but yeah george leonard herter he, maybe it was george leonard herter just to he disguise yeah he had a he had a hat that looked like jiffy pop was finished uh <laughs> underneath it but but here's a loaf i'm gonna i'm gonna tap it for you that's the crust, okay? I wish I was tapping that loaf, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, now, now we're going to... I got a couple pieces of Wegmans brand wheat bread, and that's it in the house right now. Man, I wish I could I could get some of this tea here. Okay, so I have to put a little bit of, a little bit of butter. Get on there. And I love the corner piece. I love the, it's a round loaf, and I love the round. So I'm going to mm. go ahead and. Oh, my God. Listen to that crunch. Yeah. That quarter cup of beer does something. I don't know what to tell you. I mean. Oh, like, I mean, yeah, the, the beer and the, the vinegar is gotta be doing some magic is i don't know I yeah well beer is is just you know it might help with the ferment it just adds up i mean if i didn't know there was beer in here i couldn't taste i wouldn't be able to taste right it. right or vinegar doesn't add a sourdough well maybe it does add a little bit more of a some type of twang to it but the beer definitely does um 
Get it. I mean, it's just got to add a level of, like, caramelization mm. to it, sugar and caramelization. It's not a big loaf. Um, but it's perfect I doubt, for... I, 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 I doubt the... I doubt the carbonation in it really does much but maybe no, maybe, maybe that extra maybe that hey, extra co2 you know, i gotta say of all the recipes I, I wonder how i think that cooking it in the cast iron pot probably did something too but i it this 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 is the best this is one that i'm gonna put into the regular rotation of mm. when i bake bread every yeah you, you ever made coffee can bread no but i have heard of coffee can bread it's good. It's just basically normal bread, and then it's got evaporated milk in it too. I and, have heard of it. And then, and then, basically, it's 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 a very e it's a very easy, sort of fun one where you just you 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 put the you you basically you make the dough, and then you put enough dough to fill half of a coffee can with it, and then you put the plastic lid on it and let it sit until the lid pops off. Oh, that would be cool. And when the lid pops off, you pop it in the oven, and it's ready to go. I'm gonna look that up. Of course, I'm not menstruating right now, so it's safe. It's safe for me. You're to, good, uh, yeah. To do that. You're um, good. Just keep keep your wife locked up in her in, yeah. the, in the bedroom. <laughs> Don't, Don't come breath. near the kitchen, woman. No, man. Definitely uh, a terrific herder hit. Probably my favorite. Um, and you just learn so much from him you know about the whole menstruating thing and uh you know what, what are you gonna do it's it uh, the man was a was a man ahead of his time and 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 i guess uh, that's our look at bread if you have any final final words on the staff of uh, the staff of life no i just love i love bread i love bread i wish i had some here with me right I, now I, I wish i could get this here too yeah you know yeah. you could you would definitely love it but this was a, a fun topic to look into, you know, and we just broke the crust. I'm sure there's more that we can we could talk about different types of breads and everything. But we got I think we got the gist of it that if you're not baking bread and you can't find yeast, I'm sorry. If you're in Arizona, if you're in Florida, if you're in basically <laughs> any other state but New York and you can't find yeast, you should have stocked up like Yeah, there's like plenty of yeast around now. Those grocery stores are flooded with oh, yeast. Oh, yeah. Oh. We've got it back here in New York, but you can't find it anywhere else because it seems to be the first thing people think that they're, gonna, they're going to uh, need to make. But make your own bread if you can. Go ahead, even if you have a bread maker, I guess. But, but you know, it's it's worth it. It's it's worth getting back to your yeah. To your so-called uh, bread roots, as they say, but ooh, ooh, I'm looking over at the um, at the green room. That looks like a transporter beam. I know. I wish we could transport some bread Is over here to that, me. That oh my god, that looks like Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner, Kirk and Spock. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What the fuck? They must what not have the transported hell, what, what their the clothes hell? over. <laughs> Is there is there some type of transporter accident there? I, I, Dario, I that does uh, not look like an accident. No, no ooh, definitely, definitely does not look like a look like I the malfunctioning transformer from from the movie, uh, the motion picture. I, 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 we'd better 
Nah, I think I'll let you go in there and, and see what's going on. You know, I'm Thanks. just going to sit here and, and finish eating my, my piece of, well, you know yeah. what? I just lost my appetite looking at that, so, oh, well. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Hiya, folks. Are you a fan of slash fiction? Do you love to see what it would be like when your favorite fictional characters build the beast with two backs, but afraid to go on the internet and get your identity and credit card numbers stolen, have all your kinky peccadillos displayed for your family and boss the next day on Facebook? Well, fear not. Here at Maury's Adult Novelty Play World and Marriage Counseling Center, we offer the security and anonymity of a brick-and-mortar porn palace. Nobody knows who you are because we provide you with a hygienic sack mask at the door, and nobody's getting your credit card info because it's cash only. Our brand spanking new Slash section has every popular combo you can think of from all your favorite media, like Star Trek, Harry Potter, and Amnumene. Can't find what you're looking for? We have a staff of crack hacks waiting to take a whack at whatever custom combination your sick little loins can ask for. Going on the cheap? Dig through our 50 cent bin. It's full of rejected and out of date slash stories at a price so low you can't go wrong. I mean, look at some of these beauties. Sherlock Holmes meets Columbo. Kermit the Frog's Weekend with Gary Busey. The Golden Girls and the Expendables. Um, Wallace Shawn and Pia Zadora. Um, Pee Wee Herman and the Maytag Repairman. Toto and Grumpy Cat. I could go on and on, but commercials are expensive. So just cruise on down. We're 10 feet outside the city limits in our new location, which was basically the food court in the old DeMonzaville Mall. So come on down. We don't judge and we don't ask names. Hello and welcome to Beat It. A podcast about porn. I am one half of the Siamese twin co-host set. The result of a freak transporter accident. We are... Well, we've been described as Siamese twins. But he's Siamese, I'm Taiwanese. So we're Siamese slash Taiwanese twins. Ron Ponfar and Jamie Ponfar. Hello. But why do we have to get connected by the dick? I mean, that's, I know. That, that, that's the worst part. At least the real Siamese twins, yin and yang, they had a small flap of skin that served no real purpose that was connected, you know, on their side. It makes I'm, walking a challenge. Uh, yeah, pat, pat, try pissing. That's even worse, man. Jesus Christ, you would think they would have got that fucking teleporter right by now. For it God never sakes. ends, yeah. I mean, they, they fuck it up in one movie, you know, the, and then all of a sudden they, it's a plot point and everything else from goddamn Riker's twin brother to fucking Twi'leks or whatever 
goddamn Voyager my stuff. Brother's, anyway. My brother's a little bit uh, a little bit angry over the accident. You got to forgive him. He's a little, <laughs> little bit bitter over the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, well, mine was bigger. Me, so I just deep. figured I've doubled my dick length. <laughs> I'm the optimist. God damn it. But yeah, this this is this is going to be a, a fun a fun show. Uh we had something else planned uh for this month's episode. But on a something on a, to do with Brad, yeah, but Yeah, yeah. And and on a, another stroke of genius and circumstance just a couple of days ago, we came up with this idea, so we're going to put our other idea on the back burner. Um, well, since we're both big nerds, yeah, this just sort of this just sort of this this is sort of back at, like eat it and beat it has been sort of different than a lot of the other podcasts that, that like say two true freaks do, but now like all the original yeah. themes are coming back. They're just not coming back in a way that they were ever. There before. Oh, no, they did never, place. never expected, never expected it to come back. But like now this. the Two True Freaks Network covers an angle of Star Trek that would never have gotten covered. By yeah, this, this, well, <laughs> or uncovered, or uncovered. I, I guess I have to tell the, we, we, what are we gonna cover? How are we gonna, we gonna label this one? I mean, I'm gonna call this Chapter One, Dario's. Um, windfall. <laughs> Dario's windfall. Okay, well, I have a, f- a friend of mine whose uh, mother was recently placed in, like, you know, an old, an older person facility, you know, and 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 this lady was, I mean, I think that that I was a you know a big Star Trek fan, but it's odd to see someone um, my mother's age or. You know, rough, and she's older than my mother, uh, but she was a huge Star Wars fan, a Star Trek fan, uh, back in the in the seventies when there when there was you know no no Star Trek until the movie, and and you know you if you wanted Star Trek you would read your your novels, your pocketbook novels, or you would join one of the many fan clubs that were all around the country. In the world and they would send you newsletters every you know month of what Leonard Nimoy was doing and how they're planning for a movie and and she belonged to every one of them I mean the Leonard Nimoy fan club the uh, the the George Takai fan club the William Shatner fan club she even had a couple of uh, of uh, Star Wars she was a part of the uh, Star Wars Han Solo fan club uh, but I received a horde, and I'm talking about a horde. I had sent you the picture of the old lady cart filled with Star Trek books, Star Trek uh, mailers, uh, pictures, uh, still shots from the studios that they'd sent her, uh, zines, fan magazines, stories. I mean, every, flyers from from some of the first Star Trek conventions that had ever happened here in New York um, and <coughs> included in those were two self-published would you call them fanzines or would you just call them slash fiction books or what would we call these things they could be either yeah 
they're they're, they're both like a fanzine doesn't have to necessarily be a slash fiction book but a slash fiction book is not going to be official no it's (laughs) not canon uh, (laughs) right it's not not canon paramount is not like uh printing them out so yeah it's a a fanzine and the first thing i had to do is i had to send you pictures of some of the interesting things that i found in there um and i took and i found these big thick self-published books you know and i took pictures of them and sent it to you one of them was called night visions and the other one was called um spock enslaved yeah my my brain you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't text me back quick enough remember like, remember oh when God. you were here remember when you were here and i was selling my star wars figures and i was oh, wheeling and dealing over the I star hated wars that figures. Day. i still have nightmares about you now you now the, now we we reach on that now now i know yeah how you were like oh my god you're sitting on that's potential gold i have so th- it was one of those things of i've heard tell of them but i <laughs> never laid eyes on one and 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 I've been hearing about it for you, you know. I mean, nowadays, um, just porn in general is not really like a a an uncommon like the, the kid the the kids I know will just talk about a porn. I saw the funniest porn the other day, you know, yeah. or whatever, or 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 any kind of any 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 kind of gay or lgbtq activity is is a whole it's a whole world today but yeah, like I, when i was in high school they're like you know they make star trek fanzines where kirk and spock are uh and we were just like no you gotta be no, kidding no way i mean we you know we touched on star wars porn from our from our now classic episode that you can find on our back catalog you know that mm-hmm. was a great one so, and I'm, famously, George Lucas, not a fan of, of early Star Wars slash fiction and threatened <laughs> lawsuits. Well, right away, when you texted me back and said, oh, wow, that, that's that's really something there. You know, I, I think my phone actually made a communicator sound when you texted me. Um, <laughs> I went ahead and I, and I looked up uh, night visions. And it actually has its own Wikipedia page. And this is, uh, Night Visions is a very early Kirk slash, uh, Kirk Spock slash novel written by Susan K. James and Carol Frisbee. It has interior art by Merrill Decker, Gail F., and Cindy Landon. The back cover of the scene is blank. An excerpt from this novel was published in the zine Thrust in 1978 as the story Night Journey. The zine is often discussed highly, is this discussed highly desired and a popular items at auction. A fan in the UK in 1985 said of the auction, uh, Two male bidders were bidding for re-export and the sale to the U.S. Uh, night visions can still command two hundred dollars there. So this that, that was, was back in the eighties, eighty-five. So eighty-five. So who knows? I mean, I of course I I 
put it on eBay at a at a absorbent price that that I would you know someone wants it they can pay me for it but it's kind of like my for now I don't really want to sell it but I will but it's it's I guess it's and you had told me that it was probably would you say like the holy grail of slash Kurt erotic it's one it's one of them it, or, or if it was a comic it would be a key issue for a key sure issue. it sounds, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like this is the first uh, this the, the, like I've got a I, I I want to say it's list, listener and fellow podcaster Tom Panarese that <laughs> that uh ha, he found one and he put it up on eBay and he put it up for like 350 and and I was like, "Oh, I'll buy that for 350." And it was just a normal fanzine that had no yeah in it. And and I got it for 350 and, he, and, and then after I after I bought it, he was like, oh, I wish I would have known you wanted that. Or, or, blah, blah, blah. I would have sent it to you. And I'm like, oh, it's coming to me. <laughs> I'm the one who bought it. <laughs> so it I, and if you but that Google. Thing's about, that thing's about 35, 40 pages long. They're yeah. usually about. Th- this thing is a 250-page 250 novel. 250-page novel. Uh, I, uh, you know. So it's bigger than like a film. It's thicker than a film script. And Probably. you know, it it is a Kurt Spock love story. Now, would, why do you think that there is this fascination or this attraction to Kirk and Spock? Uh, you know, being being lovers. I I think that it probably transcends a lot of. I'm, I you can find it everywhere. I'm sure, but. But it seems to be more prevalent, and and I'm trying to figure out why. Why wasn't it? Is it was it because Mr. Spock uh, well, here's, was so here's exotic? More, what, what's your take? I need to know. Here's more of the 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 twist about it is when I remember hearing about this like in high school, it was like yeah, it was stories about Kirk and Spock having sex, but they were all written by women, and. Let's go way back to when Star Trek was canceled and fan, you know, fan clubs were sprouting up and stuff. It was women that kept Star Trek alive. Bottom line, you know, I mean, like the, the there's a bunch of names that I should probably should be able to name, but I, like Bo Trimble was one of the, the the big ones, you know, to where she ended up in like Star Trek the motion picture and a cameo, you know, in a as an extra and and you know, I, I think she actually worked, maybe like worked with Roddenberry for a while, but they're they're basically the people that made it possible for like Star Trek the motion picture to happen, and and subsequently Next Generation and all that. They were the ones that just kept plugging at it. You know that they you know that Star they wouldn't let Star Trek die, and they and and like. You know, you would make your own fanzine and you'd print up a hundred of them, two hundred of them, and that meant that you could get a hundred or two hundred other fanzines because you would just trade them for somebody else's fanzine. So you would just be getting piles of these things in the mail and collecting them. And somewhere in there, in that brew, fan fiction got um, born and and like there were like societies that like would write like lovecraft and stuff but this was a different thing where and 
and then it went into slash fiction and and i mean slash fiction is a thing now there's just you know archives on of the internet that you know the size of small planets just of of all the characters you can think of that people would like to that people ship together yeah another, another phrase but yeah. it, it's the i think it all came from well obviously mr spock was a had some huge psych, psychosexual yeah, he effect did. on women I, at the I time think women Shatner were was probably pissed when when nimoy spock became, got all the the, all the, the women credit. went yeah yeah, and like I mean, they they went nuts for Spock in the way that that Shatner demanded <laughs> for himself, and I think that well, it had to do with how their characters were written because they were very you know they were very close they were they were they they were like you know like soul brothers or so, you know they were presented as having this bond, and you know Kirk Kirkard clutched spock to him and stuff and that and i think you know i mean i i I don't know i don't know if there were like gay men in those days watching star trek going "Ooh, i'd like to see those two have sex or if they were just thinking i'd like to have sex with kurt it's probably some combination of yeah all that but something about the psychology the 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 of the women made them want to see those two characters have sex and you know a woman writing Kirk and Spock having sex I imagine is going to be way different than if it was like say your standard gay porno novel it's yeah. it's it's keyed into the emotions not that it isn't graphic but it's very keyed into there's a lot in and and you know I I don't I have never owned one of these but I've seen you know where people have scanned them and put them there's archives of scanned ones put in there and stuff and you know long long passages of talking about feelings yeah i mean they're still out there i mean you can find them um if you go to ebay and you do a search they're half porn and half harlequin romance and half uh, they're like a third harlequin romance a third porn and a third you know, Star Trek novel <laughs> you know yeah it's usually I, uh... some some basic Star Trek story going on that you know puts the situation where they could start getting busy and they do get busy I, I, get I, I, I looked through this last night but you're there for I guess scan over <laughs> I gave it a quick look-see um, I don't know if, if I could quick once over yeah a quick once over and and it's 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 a slow burn you know it started the premise is well kirk has become he he's been blinded okay by a tholian weapon and he's uh meets spock he's been he's been promoted and he meets spock at a space station and tell Spock that you know he's going to get married, and he's he's going to be at this space station. And Mr. Spock decides to leave Starfleet. Just he wants to take care of of Admiral Kirk. 
that's that's what he wants to do because you know deep down inside he has feelings for Kurt and so he wants to spend his the rest of his life taking care of of uh, Kirk and it's a slow slow burn where first Kirk won't tell Spock that he's blind and and later on he finds out and there's hand touching and and you know Spock showing some emotion and and finally you know it it gets to the it gets to the good stuff man and let me it's tell you this is a, this is a labor of love by somebody who she really did uh, put a lot of time Put some thought and, into it. She put some I, thought into it. I wonder how many copies of this that are out there. Um, you know, who knows? I guess they, a lot of them probably got tossed. And what surprised me is that, you know, that You're this, not going to find the pages stuck together as much, I Yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> this lady who, who had this collection I thought was just, you know, a Star Trek fan. She had these, boom. A, a couple of erotic poems also were in there but she had these and you wouldn't think it at all you who'd have thunk that, that she was that much of a fan that she would actually write these these companies say hey i'm missing this issue of of gold key star trek you know 67 can you can you get it and she would you would find like letters back and forth saying these people owed her money and credit and it was it was very funny um it was it was neat to go through and and you know it it is what it is it's it's amazing that that it still survived here and and i feel kind of mixed feelings about i am i going to read it i don't know probably not <laughs> the the other one is i i looked at every page last night i scanned it real quick trying to get um the juicy bits the other one is called spock enslaved where I, I think it's Spock falls in love with a woman, and I think it's a story of uh, Spock falling in love with a woman. I actually started to read that one. I got about five pages into it and said, you know what? I think I could probably could probably read this one. But uh, Night Visions is maybe something that I <laughs> I don't know if I could read. It has some pictures in it, boy. I'll tell you, they uh, they did not skimp on the artwork and the artwork also starts off as a slow burn and i have to say it's very well done it's it's done by i think maybe two artists or uh different styles but yeah there's there's a woman who does like pontalist art yes and we're then, talk, yeah and and, and it, then it's there's very, a guy that does like the aubrey beardsley style art that's really gorgeous and you had told me that it looked like a tarot card, and that's exactly yeah. what it looked like. Except uh, Spock is, you know, fucking Kirk. Uh, him, yeah. I'm not sure what what happens when you get that card uh, on your reading, uh, but man, it is it. The, the artwork is the beginning you know, of a five year mission. Yeah. <laughs> you are going on a five year mission. I am going where no man where has no man has gone before. <laughs> Yeah, many men have gone before, but yeah. not you. Uh, you know, I. How do I, I put this? <laughs> you know, it's it is. Uh, I had I had posted some pictures of um, of of Spock and Kirk making out 
from the magazine on on Facebook on our on our website, and uh, right away Carter put that's Half not my are, Star, yeah. that's not my Star Trek, Jesus. Uh, and uh, yeah, and and here's an example. I, I have a little a little chapter here that I'm gonna I'm gonna read. It is about uh, it's a shower scene. All right, and we'll just start off where they both felt like taking a shower. The large round bed enclave with the glass ceiling had several doors leading to the bathroom, study, dressing room, and library. The house was in total darkness. Even the moon's face was partially covered by now heavy rain clouds. As Kirk heard Spock fumbling across the bed, trying to find his way, he had to laugh. Silly old Vulcan. He thought fondly, he won't turn on the lights for my sake. You know, Kirk's blind now. Even if it means breaking his neck. He rose from the bed, still laughing with a full throaty happy laugh, searching for Spock's arm. Come on, Spock. I happen to know the way around here even in the dark. Let me take you. And with confidence, uh, steps uh, with the Vulcan into the large marble paneled bathroom. Spock adjusts the shower dial to a cool 25 degrees Celsius. The scented vaporized water started to bombard them from the openings in the shower stall, and they stood in the mist side by side, just savoring for a moment the refreshing cold waves. Whew! I'm getting hard here, huh? Pushing the button for soap shuds, Spock soaped Kirk's body, covering his skin with white lather, going over every curve bone and muscle with great precision. Kirk stood silently accepting the attention with only a slight shadow of uneasiness in his smile. And then, with an impish grin on his face, he pushed the soap release. Now it's your turn, mister. I'm not the only one getting the royal treatment here. But as his hands reached out, Spock realized, somewhat embarrassed, that he had filled Spock's head, hair, and face with soap suds, causing him to gasp under the onslaught of creamy bubbles. Apologetically, he added, however, my aim leaves much to be desired. I'm afraid I'm no sharpshooter. With gentle care, he proceeded to soap his friend his hands going over the other's body with amazement, pausing once in a while, enjoying the different touch, texture, and shape. Wow. That is... Not the same with Shatner these days. No, no, no. I thought that Would be a totally different description these days. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I know that they use sonic showers now, uh, but it definitely wouldn't be the same. You as know. he unhooked Kirk's girdle. Yeah, as he unhooked Kirk's his, girdle. His gut un... <laughs> <laughs> Careful, don't knock off that... exploded out into the... <laughs> don't knock off that toupee. You know. So, yeah, you know, I had never actually given much thought that this was written for women... By women, for women. I... Who else... You know, I, I guess it could be... You know, enjoyed by by uh, homosexual male too. Males we needed, too. You know? We needed to bring. We needed to bring. We needed like if we if if we were true like truly dedicated podcasters, and this was a 
a, 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 a podcast of, of, you know, content, <laughs> quality content, we would have had a woman here yeah. and, and a gay man to Absolutely. both, to both like give, get weigh in, you know? And say, uh, weigh in on the hot is not. Although it's it's so subjective, you know. It, it, it's uh, probably to the right gay man. This is this is hot. Yeah, you know, hell. I should have had I thought of it. I would have asked uh, my friend Michael, who's a big Star Trek fan, old money. He would have loved to have to have uh, been in on this. I mean, you know, it it, it has wonderful passages. It, here's uh, he inserted his hands between the long, strong thighs. There, dry heat burning his palm, and his fingers moved with great care upward. Spock was a very private person, and only a few people, all of them medical personnel, had seen him naked. Kirk's hand trembled now as he surveyed tenderly the other's sexual organ. He was large, shaped like his, and to his surprise, partially erect. Asexual Vulcans, indeed, their fertility cycle, when mating becomes life-threatening, must be spaced every seven years, but Spock was now certainly functional and fully aroused. Or was it his sexual human side that was responding so eagerly? I wonder, Kirk smiled to himself in the dark, if it is indeed green, I'll have to ask Spock. So, these, you know, these are uber fans, or man. Check or a, check a medical computer. Yeah. yeah. These are uber fans. I, they 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 probably knew their chops, man. I mean, they knew their track because this was all you had. And if you if you if the if their novels weren't giving you what you needed, damn it, you were gonna write it. You're gonna write it yourself. And and they wrote the you hell know, out of it. You know more about zines than I do. Um, how popular was stuff like this during the time that that Star Trek wasn't on the air? That I it mean, was... it, like, I mean, I, these weren't hitting bestseller lists, but I mean, no. in the world, I mean, they, it, it, for one, you're talking such a niche market at the time, which was gay Kirk and Spock porn for women that the people who wanted it must have been go just going berserk you know i mean it wasn't you know there's no internet to you, you, you know you would have to you would have to be part of a fan club and and be looking in the back you know be looking at their newsletter or something to see this and probably by the time they were doing the 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 saucy stuff it was more like word, you know. You probably had to make friends with somebody and said, "Hey, I got some uh, little of the old hottie hottie here too, if yeah. you're interested, you know." And pops open the trunk and and they got, you know, whatever the fanzine version of that was, you know. I mean, these, pro you know, there there were probably like comic book or bookstores where they put the where they would put fan you know that you could get away with putting fanzines out if the owner like was a, head, a fan like a or something and then have something. these behind the counter you know type so of thing you would go to your you would go to your head shop and uh and and maybe find something like that i mean yeah part of yeah. part of my hoard was all leonard nimoy related which i separated and there was there was a an ad where you could get a leonard nimoy calendar but it was all hand-drawn Leonard Nimoy pictures, um, mm -hmm. and you can imagine the the 
the picture that was advertising the calendar had you know Leonard Nimoy in this long robe like he was just about ready to take it off so you can imagine what the hotter months like July and August would have had right, Leonard right. In. that would have been really interesting to get my to get my hands on something like that to see there's uh, and you know the, these fans you had mentioned before they were passionate I mean you had the, the fans that were satisfied with with the comic books or the you know the dime paperback novels but you had this this circuit of fans that just wanted wanted more and I and and they're still out there I, I see well it was it was working on, their creative impulse and whatever uh, it was working their impulses <laughs> you know and I wonder I should have done some research to see if anyone had ever asked Leonard Neboy or William Shatner you know what I, is it about what is it about you know fans oh, that, that want to see it, it was it was addressed to the point of where there was some some official in some book you know they they so they, they, they had a quote from Kirk to it and it was very political the answer yeah political not of of, of it was what Kirk said was political but it was it was Definitely, like, they're trying not to piss off. The, Kirk said something like, hey, you know, Spock and I are really close, and, I don't, and I'm totally for that sort of thing, but, hey, you know, I'm Kirk. I, I <laughs> happen to like the ladies, you know? But, oh, I love it, but I have, ladies. I have, I have no... I'd, if, if I happen to... If I like... If I saw some guy I like, I, it's okay, because it's the... You know, twenty third century. So yeah, oh yeah, there's no. We there's don't no, care. Uh, you know that was no that was stigma. the Roddenberry that was a Roddenberry line. But at the same time, Roddenberry was also kind of a, you know, bo- probably borderline Me Too, <laughs> and and they definitely did not want you know and and you know we're talking that like this was probably like nineteen seventy nine or so that they probably wrote that and. So they de- like officially they definitely wanted to squash any ideas that Kirk had done any had done any butt stuff, you know. Yeah. Oh. So officially Kirk hasn't been doing any, any butt stuff. I think really they kind of addressed it a little bit at an angle with with uh, number one mm-hmm. when number one had had that um, affair with what was a night what were was it he she described as non-binary or whatever but yeah, it was yeah. this alien species that had no heesh yeah it had no like like sometimes it would have female characteristics it changed right i i don't remember the episode exactly but i always pictured number one as being sort of like the next generation's kirk stand-in so i think yeah. that that when the, the writers were like hey let's sort of like push into this character ca- territory of what a Kirk would, you know, a Kirk would do if he was sexually attracted to a, an alien that was neither male or female or was sometimes male and sometimes female. And the answer was he'd fuck it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I don't think there's any Picard. I don't think the Picard and kind of follow it. But that's the thing about Kirk. It always was like kind of, fo- kind of romantic with all the, the lady. He's, he would get all lovey dovey with them too. So yeah. Yeah. It is sort right. of like the, the slash fiction, I guess. Yeah, there's no uh, Riker, uh, Picard, 
Now, maybe there is out there. I there haven't really dug has down that water rabbit be. hole. There has to be. <laughs> oh God. There has to be. But there's you know, no it, way, there, there's no way in the laws of probability in the with the internet nowadays that 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 Riker and Picard have it. That everybody on the everybody's done it with Worf. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, data, absolutely. come on, data. Da- they got data with a ta- yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, Star Trek: it, The Next Generation was full of potential uh, hot trek on trek. Oh out. yeah, even data, even data got it on. Data, with, uh, especially, yeah. Data's data, data got man. Lu- data got lucky on the show with one of the characters that Denise everybody Crosby. had a crush on. Yeah, yeah he got know. her all. He got her all sweaty. So, you oh, know, absolutely, I mean, and. It was there. It was, and Kid mentioned that this was by women for women. But actually, in the horde, I did find a poem that I sent you that you said this is fanboy gold, and this was written by someone by the name of Christopher uh, Randolph. Of course, you went right on and, and found the most popular Christopher Randolphs. One of them was an actor, um, and the other I think was a doctor that was kind of up by where you were, where were you yeah. from? Yeah. Um, yeah. So who knows? Uh, the doctor would have probably been the right age uh, to have written it, if there, if. But you know, there's probably a lot of Christopher Randolph. Yeah, it's but not. Yeah. <clears throat> it was just kind of fun to see if we could find it. But I do have it here, and I'm going to read it. Um, just to let you know that, that it can be written by guys too. Well, it could also be a pseudonym too. It could be. You know? It could be. It's... It could be uh, Christina Randolph. Who knows? But this is called the casualty list. Um, and apparently they had written this right after uh, the wrath of the wrath of Khan. Khan. Yeah, because it deals with what for it says Edith, Reina, Miranese, Miramani. Miram. Who's that? That was when they found the they Kirk they found the planet with basically American Indians on it. And Kirk fell into the pyramid and got lost his lost his memory and became Kirok. Okay, okay. And married married Miramonte. I don't know if they married her, but or they they chose each other, Miramonte, and then Kirk. I think she bought it. And she bought it, and he had to go back to the Enterprise. Yep. And Gary Mitchell bought it today, and a few hundred red shirts along the way. Not to mention the brother named Sam. And all the rest, like Sornak and Lorai. But who gives a damn? But Spock? No more stories of Spock and Kirk. No more persuasions, uh, persuasions and circle jerks. No more struggling to break writer's block and trying to join these two magnificent cocks. Alas and alack, Spock is dead. Alas and alack, power went to Paramount's head. No more poems of Kirk in a full cast, not to mention arguments of how long Ponfar will last. No more dreaming up ways to cripple and maim. No more explicit descriptions of how often and how much they came. Alas and alack, Spock is dead. But wait, they gave us David and Savick instead. And woe is me, I'm really overjoyed. Rumor has it, 
Paramount's killing Kirk's little boy. But the sadder part I hear is that Savak, Savak gets Spock because he's just a young stud with a pawn far hard cock. She's the only one there for Kirk is in traction, still laid up from the last time he saw Spock's action. But never fear, the captain has his lady enterprise until, of course, Paramount gets Paramount gets wise to the fact that she's the only thing that always comes back. She's the only thing they've left intact. Surprise! And what the hell comes next? The Enterprise gets blown right out of the text, and David is killed by a Klingon's dark ire? At least they gave fans that one great desire. <laughs> to see him destroyed, mangled, and covered with red. Praise Oz, Toto, and Tennis, uh, the tennis wimp is dead. And now Spock comes back with an expression of woe. He doesn't remember what went on before. But a grin comes to his lips and he grabs Kirk with glee. And all us K Sears plan the story yet to be. Tales of rebonding, perversion, and Savak's dark heart. Don't worry, we'll write her off. Yet, the only thing which troubles us as we all wait is wondering why and how much the writers got paid. And the thing for sure, we're waiting for sure as the coins leave our hands is they need that, as they need that, is the needs for the money outweigh the needs of the fans. Christopher Randolph. So <laughs> Merry Christmas to Merry all Christmas and all to a good all night. a good night from Whoville. <laughs> That's the, the perverted Dr. Seuss. But speaking of perverts, um, we actually, you know, the, the stuff I read was was pretty was pretty tame. It's 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 the um, the appetizer to some of the other sections. But speaking of perverts, we actually have a guest. One of the our famous guest speakers and guest hosts, uh, we're going to bring in someone everyone is familiar with from not just this podcast, but many other uh, uh, Two True Freaks productions and shows. Mr. Maury Clawhammer is actually going to be here, and it, it's good to have him. He's going to read a, a little bit, a passage that I picked for him. So uh, welcome, Maury. Hi. Uh, do you, do you have your um your uh I, I know I just handed this to you right now but do you think you can uh, I got my being, I got my copy right here I'm a professional ladies and gentlemen hi I'm Maury Clawhammer I'll read anything for fifty bucks <laughs> all right let me get my reading spectacles on Jesus tiny text you need large print for us older folks all right. <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> me, 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 me. <clears throat> she sells seashells by the seashore. She, she, she. Okay, I'm ready. Warmed up. <clears throat> Kurt gave a small. <clears throat> have, have some Tranya here. This will oh. loosen you up. Ooh. Hey. Damn. 
Kirk gave a soft cry as Spock entered, entered him. And then Spock felt the welcoming warmth, warmth accept him, engulf him in its currents, move with him, flesh to flesh, blood to blood. Jesus! What the? All right, 50 bucks, Maury. He moved, and Kirk with him, and his mind sang with the thrusting, exploding body as he filled the other with his warmth, his flesh his seed and came lines of time seemed to blur as he tried to hold on the warmth as he tried to hold on to the warmth the enclosing oneness he sank slowly to lie against Kirk's back his arms circling his shoulders as the languor of aftermath softened and caressed him he felt Kirk's hands seek and find his own, fingers interlacing, and heard as from a distance the soft whisper, I'm happy. I'm so happy. Three words. He stored them in his heart to save against times of less joy. Even the drop of fresh red blood he had seen on the sheet. Jesus! <laughs> could not mar the perfection of the moment. Almost perfection, still incomplete. He rolled over and pulled Kirk back into his arms. I concur, he said, nuzzling Kirk's cheek. It did seem like the logical thing to do. His reward was a flashing smile. You, Kirk said, and punched his shoulder in mock anger. It was the last step in a progression, a sharing we both had to grow into. It wouldn't have been right in the beginning, but now, logical, eh? I guess, to strive for perfection always is. A worthy goal. I have even known you to succeed. We've succeeded several times and we will again Spock said into his ear his wayward hand becoming alarmingly intimate come I want you inside me deep and hard and dot 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 the next day at the academy Kirk found out Zana died $50, please. <laughs> Let me just pull my sweatpants up. I'm giving it to you. I hope you don't mind. These bills are a little bit stuck together. So, so uh, there you go. It's uh, all here. More, yeah, it's all here. Just uh, take this handy wipe. And, all um, right. And, all uh, right, guys. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Maury. Thanks, um, Maury. Uh, at, least, uh, at least we know Kirk's a bottom, oh. which is which, which uh, I guess I can, I, you know, I... I never would have thought it, but okay. But when you have a drop of red blood on the sheets, then yeah, you you know that he's bottom. So there you have it. Uh, but you, it's you kind of maybe that's, maybe that's so weird. That's like that that that's like the trope of the guy who's taking the girl's virginity. Well, I guess yeah yeah. It's 
there, there you have it. Well, you know, maybe ten thousand years from now, when they dig this thing up, because I still haven't sold it, <laughs> they they're gonna just ponder what the fuck they just they just they just read. And uh, I, I hope old girl made a made a made a lot of money selling copies of this, or or you know what, maybe she's I'm sure she's probably still kicking somewhere, and and has a garage filled with with boxes of of uh of this story stacked up somewhere you know a a lot of these might be making their like this is kind of a sad and and dark way to look at it but the the people who made and read and collected these are old (laughs) yeah exactly i mean i i I believe bo Bo trimble's dead i mean you know they're 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 pushing 80 you know? Yeah, this this lady's in her is in her is in her eighties, and yeah. she's she's lost her marbles. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, these, these they, they I mean they were in their twenties and thirties when Star Trek ended, you know, and and yeah, Star- I mean, so so like yeah, yeah the the, the <laughs> nerds have been around for a while. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you can look at writings on Roman's wall and, on Roman and, walls in Pompeii and see plenty of. Uh, of uh, huge cocks and and nerdy yeah. stuff written, but I wonder if she's still kicking. See what that would have been great. We should have tried to find her and say, hey, you know what? We, we're doing your fanzine here. We'd love to give you a little interview. And she would have said, eh, what? Peanut butter jelly? Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah. But good, good for her. It, it, I didn't even try googling her name. I probably should have. See if she's, if she's uh, still around. And my friend had no idea when he handed this books to me that they were dirty i mean spock enslaved the cover just shows spock in chains you know and then this one the the cover just has a a picture of kirk and spock kind of nuzzling each other nothing nothing uh, i mean every son pretty much stumbles upon their father's porn at some point or at least yeah back in the days when it was paper porn and and dad had a stack of porn but I, I don't know about as much about how sons feel about finding their mothers, their 80 yeah. some year old mother's porn, you know? <laughs> you know, un- unfortunately he, he follows my eBay site. So I feel kind of like an ass, you know, I took all this stuff and I was like, okay, yeah. This thanks, just I reminded, it. I just got, I just, I just, um, I just had a childhood, uh, teenage memory. Did you? Yeah, after my parents got divorced, my mother was living in the apartment of this old woman who was not living in the apartment at the time, who, who, who had a lease and had to let her lease go and had to go somewhere, who was was in her, in her 70s at the time, was very, was, you know, quite old at the time. And I remember stay, staying at my mom's place and the room that I was staying in had been the old lady's room. And I remember being 13 years old or something, being like, oh, I'm staying in someone's room. All their stuff is in here. And I'm like, even oh, yeah. though it's an old lady's room, right? What was I going to do? I'm like, I'm looking under the bed for some porn. What's under the bed? It was a stack of porn. No shit. Yeah. Old old men's magazines from like the 50s, like nudist oh. magazines and stuff. And it was just like, wow, this old lady's got a stack of porn under her bed. Everyone has skeletons in their closet, you know. Yeah, you just or, don't or know. Naked nudists. Yeah. Yeah, 
Or, or Kirk or, and Spock in the shower. Yeah, you never get... Well, I guess you can probably get that blood stain out of that sheet and pretty easy back in the in the future. Hell, Kirk ain't gonna know he's blind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Care. He's, he doesn't give a shit. But goddamn, good for her, you know? And good for, yeah. for anyone out there that writes fan fiction. It's art. I don't care. You, you, you can say it's stupid. You oh, can say you hate it. Oh, come on, man. You need way to... ahead of her time. Like, way, on, way, lady, way. Right, writing gay, gay porn in the in the in the mid 70s. Yep, and, sending and it out it to your friends like the internet. You were way ahead of the internet. Mailing it out to people and wrapped up in brown paper yeah. bags. Yeah, you have for her. internet and you you made your own version of it. You made it happen. You made it so. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We should all be so lucky to find our our artistic. Um, outlet in whatever yes. way we choose to do it. I don't care if if you build, you know, toothpick houses, or if you collect uh, bottle caps, or or if you if you write slash fan fiction. Good for you, Tooth- man. Toothpick dioramas of Kirk yeah. jacking off Spock. God you know, bless you. Yeah, you, you like to think that that if she's still around, hats off to you, lady, because you know what, good good show good show and uh and i'm glad to find it but i will sell it i mean i'm just not gonna get me wrong i'm not gonna i'm not gonna man's gotta eat during man yeah man's gotta get his uh his tranya and um and and his uh gack so we definitely um you know no no reasonable offer will be refused if anyone if anyone uh wants it or or you know when times are better i may just go ahead and make copies of it and uh and sell it on the aftermarket and see and see what what goes and and uh maybe uh i can make a buck off of it but good for her this this was fun i i I think we uh i i think we took a we took an artistic uh break from what we usually do and you know and this is why i will never amount to anything because star trek is life man it is it is so important even if me, it's just Kirk and Spock making even out. Even if it's just Kirk and Spock riding a, riding a motorcycle and then Spock is, is, is giving Kirk a little hug as they ride in the motorcycle. That's one of the chapters I didn't read, but it was very – it was uh, – actually, Kirk is blind, so Spock was driving the motorcycle and Kirk was riding in the bitch seat and uh, giving Spock a little, you know, a little hug. Uh, as they were hey, zooming they were down. ahead of the curve on the J.J. Abrams version of Star yeah Trek. yeah that's right yeah they, they were ahead of, maybe that's where J.J. got it maybe I'll this bet you maybe, that is where J.J. got it I'll bet maybe, you maybe this can be the next reboot you know they can they can do uh, the gay Star Trek universe and everyone makes something well they I mean they did it to Sulu oh my so, <laughs> uh, Sulu did it to himself. Yeah, Sulu did it to himself. But, 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 yeah, you know, it, that wouldn't have been a far, a far leap to, uh, to, to, to have it to, to do the Kirk and Spock. I thing. wonder if there were any women writing gay, like gay Sulu porn, and then, <laughs> and then, like you know, when he finally came out of the the closet, their brains almost exploded, or they were just like, oh, that takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure I'm sure there I'm sure there was. I mean... To the internet! We to the internet we go! But yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it was fun. I, I 
it's just one of those things that you have that 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 I read all of the other stuff and uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's time to inter- pass it. Yeah. It was great for me. It's an intersection of porn, nerd culture, and history all at once. Yeah, so, we we have yeah. every base covered. Our our nerd our nerd cup runneth over when you can get something like this. And all but, over the floor, and all onto Kirk's face. <laughs> onto Kirk's face, and then I guess Vulcan penises are pretty much the same as anyone else's penis. I, I would have, have put a, I would have put a barb on it or something just oh, to, just, to, get, just to use my artistic. If you're gonna use your artistic license, yeah, use they could have gotten you know, they, make it bulbous s- like a dog or something. Yeah, they would have been stuck together. Know. They would have been stuck and, together for a little while. Uh, until until uh, Spock's penis became uh, ungorged and they could have been romping around the room. But you see, there you go. That's our, our look at slash Star Trek um, fan fiction. The infamous night visions. Look it up on Wikipedia. There are plenty of reviews dating back to 1985 where people will talk about uh, so it was definitely well read in the uh, shadows of, yeah, uh, of yeah. the Star Trek universe it, 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 is it, a, it, it was read enough that the Wikipedia page is able to sort of have a little Yelp section over yeah. the years of what people have said about it which is very fascinating you should go it read was. it it's, you know, it's not exactly finding a Gutenberg Bible but it 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 was uh it was an interesting uh an interesting find and um and made for a fun topic so there all right any more thoughts before we sign off before we get beamed out of here for uh star trek fan slash fiction no idea someday we'll come back to some star star wars oh slash fiction because let me tell you there's some star wars slash fiction out there and not quite as romantic as uh, what we have here and uh, someday yeah well that's about it since we're stuck together I just gotta ask you am I hard or are you hard I, I can't tell uh, I'm going to say we both better just like never speak of this again yeah we'll, we'll pawn for it <laughs> pawn far 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 away it yeah The skies are green and glowing Where my heart is Where my heart is Where the scented lunar floor is growing Somewhere beyond the stars Beyond untold website at two true freaks.com two true freaks is always spelled 
T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids, good night. We're off? Good, well that ought to hold the little bastards.